now, it's time to get your morning started the right way. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinnie Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Thanks for joining us on this Valentine's Day. It's the Morning Tailgate, Raider Nation Radio here on RNR 920 AM on X. And we're all broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll talk to Marcus Johnson in just a few seconds. And we'll also have Ash Watkins from Salmon Ash Injury Law at 945. Keep your texts coming. We're going to read them all because it's Valentine's Day. Talking about your love for the Raiders. When did it start? How has it been tested? 702-365-9200. And the aforementioned Marcus Johnson's here with us. And a man I love. And Tape Don't Lie is something that I'm back and forth with each and every day of the week. TDL on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. And you're with us today, Marcus. Thanks for doing it on a busy Wednesday. How are you? Good. good. How are you guys doing? We're doing Great, awesome, Marcus, and we're, we're trying to get to everybody's uh, origin story as on how they ended up here and, and their love for what they do. But you do, you provide a very unique service to a lot of us in the nation. I know it's a labor of love, and so I ask you, whose tape did you fall in love with first? Whose tape did I fall in love with first? Um, probably when, when I started watching film. I mean, I'm probably just, just watching Khalil Mack, I think. Watching Khalil Mack was probably something that really got me starting to watch film and watching how, <clears throat> how he used to dominate and all the things and learning defensive line. That's just one of the first things I had learned was was uh, breaking down defensive line. So watching Khalil Mack and him just dominate back in like 2015, 2016 is when I really started getting into like NFL game pass and stuff like that and having a kind of a love for it. But my, my actually kind of my, my film story is kind of funny because I don't know if you guys remember this guy named Sion, Sion Fahey. He used to kind of do film and. He, he he was getting big, and then he, one of the reasons, and I didn't think he was very good. And I was like, you know what? I could do this. And that's when I really started getting into films. So that's when I started to uh, get into what was something I do. Now it's something I, I love doing all the time, so it's, it's cool. Marcus, it is officially offseason. We are, what, three days now uh, into it, and obviously the Raiders have some work to do. If they want to close the gap on the Super Bowl champions, the two-time uh, defending now Super Bowl champions who just happen to be in their division, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and that whole crew, um, as somebody that follows the Raiders, uh, what would make your offseason and what would leave you bitterly disappointed if they don't accomplish a certain thing? I, I think one thing, they got to beef up the inside of the uh, defensive line. I think they got to get more pressure from the inside. Uh, I think they're able to build on that a little bit, but all those guys have one-year deals. We don't know who's coming back. I mean, Adam Butler, they're all, a lot of those guys are free agents. I think Jerry, Jerry Tillery might be one of the only defensive tackles that is actually under contract right now. So they've got to beef up inside, uh, whether that's in the draft. There's a lot of good defense tackles in the draft that they could beef up inside with, or they want to go through free, free agency where there's a lot of good defense tackles in free agency that are available. So you mean, don't go Chris Jones. you got uh, Jason uh, Matabuke from uh, – <clears throat> Justin Matabuke, sorry, from – but the Baltimore Ravens is out there, who's a very good player too, as well. So they, they got to beef up inside. That's one thing they got to do. Um, you know, I think at the cornerback position, I think they like where they're at. They, they might add some guys there. It depends on who they bring back. They might try to find maybe another slot corner that can, if they don't bring back a meek, or you know, and if they want to keep Hobbs outside, or if they want to keep Hobbs inside, they find another outside corner. So I think those are a few things they need to do. And of course, the offensive line needs to be built up. And I, I know quarterback's the obvious one, but I think some like offensive line is. A very important position too. So I think they're losing some of those guys as well, and they got to really rebuild that in- interior of it. 
It's Marcus Johnson, Tape Don't Lie on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. It's a gift to yourself on this Valentine's Day and at the March on NFL on X here on the morning tailgate. Then when you t- did something very special on TDL about the free agency breakdown, who are some of the names of the free agents that you know that could come up and really make an impact with the Raiders should they go down that road? Uh, you know, one is Lloyd Cushenberry, which, you know, it was very interesting that they hired James Craig yesterday, and he was the offensive line coach at LSU, and that's where Lloyd Cushenberry played at. Um, he he uh, is the center for the Broncos, and he had a, he's a pretty good center. He, he played uh, really well last year for the Broncos' offensive line. You watch him on film, he's very clean, okay. and that's a guy I think that it would be easy for them to bring in because there's that connection with the coach, and, you know, they won the Joe Moore Award under James Craig. So uh, I think there's, there's a lot of connection and that love for the offensive line. You can go there. And I talked about Kevin Dotson a little bit. Uh, you know, Kevin Dotson had a really great yeah. year out in L.A. I think that's somebody at free agency that they, they can look at. He's a very big – he's a power guy. He can help the run game right away. You can just throw him in at right guard, and he's ready to go. So I think that's – you know, if you want to – you know, you can get a center, you can get a right guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, centers and, and guards, you know, I don't know how much Dotson is going to be after having that big year. But, you know, Cushionberry, he should be – he shouldn't be – too much money when the Raiders have enough cap space as well to kind of go there. They can fill up the offensive line through free agency, even though there is a lot of great people in the draft that you can do that as well. But I think the, the one of the main things they have to look at is some of these interior offensive linemen in free agency and bring some of those guys in, and then they can kind of clean up some of those spots. Okay. Good stuff as always from Marcus Johnson. Tape don't lie. He is our guy that breaks down all of the little intricacies of why things happen and uh, why Everything just happens out there on the field. So when we see the defenses crack down in the red zone like we, we've we seen, especially in the Super Bowl, and the Raiders certainly have been one of those teams that have been able to do that, that's kind of vaulted them into a different conversation as a defense. But how would you combat this challenge from an offensive theory standpoint? Like where do you look for wrinkles first to kind of break this dam and, and, and you know, switch? Because it just goes back and forth. We have an advantage here, and then somebody figures it out, and then we and it goes back the other way. Yeah, I think one thing in the red zone, especially when it comes to passing, you know, you got to have guys that can separate. You, you want that's a lot of what happens in teams. They don't have those, you know, great red zone teams. You have to have a lot of players that can separate. Maybe a good slot receiver that can separate, and a lot of those things to work it out to have a good red zone team. So, because that's where it becomes one on one most of the time. I mean, you you can see some 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 zones, and they use a lot of switching, a lot of man matching. But most of the time, if you're inside the ten. You're seeing more man coverage or anything, anything like that. You're seeing cover zero. You're seeing those type of blitzes. So you need people that can win outside, first of all. But I think also as a play caller, I think in the red zone, especially just passing, because the main thing in the red zone you want to do is run the ball. I think that's the, that's the main thing. You want to be able to run the ball there. You're in tight quarters. You want to be able to run that ball and get, get in the end zone that way. But when it comes to passing, I think it's a little bit on the play caller as well because the, there's a lot of scheming you got to do in, in those type of tight quarters, and there's not a lot of room. And you, the, the end zone, you could, you're going to run out of room, you know, throwing it to the back of the end zone and things like that. I think it's a lot on the play caller too. He's got to have the right scheme, the right game plan to attack what they want to do on the red zone. So you know, you see, you know, like uh, Matt Lafleur and some of the better red zone teams, they, they are consistent there because they have a great play caller. He knows when to call the right plays, he knows when to call his own read and quarterback keep it. He knows when there's, you know, Andy Reid who's a trick play. All those different types of things you have to be creative down there to kind of figure out how to attack him, and it's really on the play caller a lot. Marcus, um, I think we're early in the draft season, but I think uh, it's safe to say that three particular quarterbacks have differentiated themselves uh, from the pack or separated themselves from the pack, Uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and and Jaden Daniels. Um, And we've we've read reports where and heard reports that 
the Patriots might be open uh, to trading that third pick. Maybe maybe the, the Raiders can get involved uh, in, in in that race. Um, mm-hmm. are, would you, if if you're the Raiders or just Marcus, uh, would you be happy with any of those three quarterbacks um, in order to trade up to to number three, where maybe it's a little bit uncertain who exactly will be there among those three? Are you good enough with all the, all three of those quarterbacks uh, to take that plunge? Yeah, I, I think I'll be fine with all three of those quarterbacks to take that plunge. Um, you know, it, it, I think you know Daniels and May are not as ready as Caleb Williams. I, I think you know after watching lots of games of them and watching Caleb Williams and lots of games of him, they're not as ready as he is to play. I, I think you know Drake May. He, he has he's talented, six four, two thirty, can move, but you know he just has some quirks that he has that is getting, he's getting need to work on at the next level, like mechanically keeping his mechanics. You know, staying a little tough, tougher in the pocket, kind of figure it out in the NFL. You're not going to be able to just, you know, take a lot of sacks and the same thing. And I think Jane Daniels has a little bit of that issue, too, is kind of taking some sacks that he doesn't need to take and some of those things. But they they got to be worked in a little bit, um, you know. But I think Caleb Williams is probably he, – he will stand out from them a little bit. But I think Drake May and Jane Daniels, you know, you trade up to three. You know, I, I would feel comfortable taking one of those guys. You know, because at the end of the day, especially with Daniels, I, I know that – you know, we're going to be able to move some offense. We're going to be able to move the ball because he's going to be able to run the football. He's, and, you know, he's got to slide, though. I think this, this is his biggest issue is sliding. But you, you'll be able to move the football early on, and he's still accurate. He can run the quick game. There's a lot of things to like about Daniels that, you know, you can build on with him, especially he's an older player. You know, he can anticipate. He does a lot, a lot of different things that you like. And, you know, some of his – quirks that you just really have to deep dive into and get a little nitpicky. So that's what I really like about him. That If they trade it up, I feel like I would rather lean on him than you know maybe taking Drake May if they had to make the choice. Marcus Johnson, Tape Don't Lie, Morning Tailgate. Then, you know, on your TDL, you've done a little extra breakdown of footage of Jaden Daniels. What about the ball placement? So, you know, Jaden Daniels is a very accurate quarterback. I, you know, he definitely uh, when he has his feet set, I think sometimes outside the numbers he can miss a little bit, but I think you know, like I said, that's a little bit of just nitpicking a little bit, but um, <laughs> he, okay. he is very accurate. He's an accurate quarterback everywhere across the board, really. Uh, I mean, all, to all the levels of the field, uh, intermediate, deep. I mean, his, his deep accuracy is very special. It's one of the best things that he does. I mean, he was 62%, 20-plus yards through 22 touchdowns, and I don't think he do an interception throwing deep. So I, that was that's where he's really special is throwing the ball deep down the field. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is sometimes, you know, when Daniels is late or maybe he's not sure of the coverage, he tries to make a play and, and he can get sacked a little bit. So I think that's, that's really his biggest issue. But, uh, you know, it's just something you have to know going into it that you might have to – you might be dealing with some sacks here, and but there's a lot of the big plays coming with it, and he's, he's accurate to every level of the field. It's, it's pretty consistent. Marcus Johnson from Tape, don't lie. I want to play a little bit of what if, which is always precarious because it's not the reality that we live in, and so therefore it doesn't really matter, but it does. Because I I think that if Dre Greenlaw's Achilles holds up uh, just a little bit longer, Sunday is probably a different. I'm not, not saying maybe it's a different result, or but uh, how big was his omission, do you think, uh, for the Super Bowl and the, and the Chiefs ending up with their third in the last five? Oh yeah, I think it was it was a big deal. I, I think uh, you know losing a player like that in that type of game, especially that freak injury, I think that's a little bit deflating mm-hmm. to the whole team as well because it, it wasn't like he got hurt in the in battle. He got hurt being excited. I think they got off the field right, and that's kind of just deflating a little bit to everybody. I think that's kind of something that can happen, and you kind of see you know after that after that happened, and the Chiefs started getting going. They started scoring a lot of points. They could really couldn't do too much in the first half. 
you know, uh, you know, the pass rush was getting there, you know, because Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are great coverage linebackers too. So mm-hmm. they, they could play those zones really well and they could block up, you know, things and, you know, keep, keep them from getting on uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, Fred Warner, you know, he's guarding Travis Kelsey one-on-one outside on one play on a back shoulder and, you know, force a field goal. So those are the type of linebackers that the Niners have. So losing Drake Greenlaw was a big deal. I, I don't know if they would have had too much on the outcome because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the, the, it, it, it was the third quarter, but three minutes left in the third quarter, he just became Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know if that would have mattered anyways, but right. yeah, it, it, it was a big deal, though. Yeah, it was, and what an unfortunate way to uh, to go out, and obviously that's probably going to affect his uh, next season uh, as well. Marcus, uh, I know we've had a little bit of time to digest the hiring of Luke Getzky as, uh, Getzky as the Raiders' offensive coordinator. I'm sure you've dug into to some of the film. What do you feel like the Raiders are getting uh, in Luke Getzky as their offensive coordinator? I think they're getting somebody who, who is very creative with vertical passes. I think he has a lot of ways to attack downfield. And I, I, I like the, uh, how he sets up attacking downfield as well, uh, mixing in with some short passes and kind of showing that image of that same short pass that ends up being a deep pass and things like that. So he, and he really knows how to attack coverages. You know, that's something Antonio Pierce uh, pointed out when he had that, when he, um, when he mentioned him during the Super Bowl, uh, you know, on media row and stuff like that. What he mentioned was how they attacked the Raiders' scheme and, and what the Raiders wanted to do. And if you go back to that game, Back then, the Raiders had a really little bit of an issue on the left side, yeah. and that's where really that's all the Bears did was run to that side and did sweeps and sweeps and outside zone and <laughs> over and over and over again to the same side of the field. And I, I think that's something Luke Getty does a lot is he attacks the scheme really well and gets teams in bad positions where and then he attacks you vertically. And you know, one of the things that I would say. Luke Getzey in the passing game needs to get better because I think it's a run game, the zone reads they do and all that stuff is, is really creative. It's just, he has to get more extensive in the short passing game and making sure that you can get those easy completions. And I think he can get a little crazy with the deep passes sometimes and maybe, and you don't know if that's just for Justin Fields or, you know, because that's what Justin Fields does really well. He doesn't really do the quick game that well. Or is that just Luke Getzey throwing the ball deep a little bit too much? Because even at Mississippi State, you go back and read some of those articles, they complain about that a little bit. But, yeah, that, that's probably the main thing with Getty. He's got to get that quick passing game going again. But I think that's when Devontae Adams comes in, and they'll be able to work that out. Yeah, that was really interesting against the Bears. They kept running it at Marcus Peters. And they could they yeah. were actually finding a, like a major vulnerability there. And it didn't it was just like a like a swamp for the Raiders defense. They couldn't get out of it. And it you know, made me feel like, you know, when they start looking at that next quarterback and you were talking about like, all right, can you be more extensive in your short passing game? And looking at those top quarterbacks, something that you said about Drake May needs to work on his mechanics, needs to stop taking less sacks. It also made me feel like the the stuff in the whispers around Drake May, is it because the stuff that he is doing, the personnel he was around, or the fact that he played in the ACC and had to deal with that kind of competition? I think with Drake May, when you watch him on film, is that I feel like there's a blueprint to beat him that when he started struggling at the end of the year, so all the a- the whole ACC kind of duplicated, oh, okay. which is just blitz him. And I think that's kind of the issue that he has is handling that pressure, is kind of staying tough in the pocket. And I think that's where you know some people are saying that they want Jaden Daniels over him because when you dive into the film, there's a lot of that. Like his game at Clemson, you know, if you hit him, he gets a little bit, he gets a little bit shaky too, and he kind of starts, you know, his accuracy goes away because when he has a clean pocket. And all that, and everything's good around him. He he is talented, and that's the thing. Like he probably has some of the best throws you'll see on film from any of these quarterbacks, and that's where the 
you know, kind of how he's built up because he had a really good year as a freshman. But I think this year, I think the ACC figured him out a little bit. And he has to build on that, try to figure out how he can attack blitzes, know where they're coming from and things like that because, I mean, the ACC teams were just throwing it at him and he was struggling. And you saw North Carolina kind of fade off in the end of the year and you saw his numbers fade off. So I think that's what Drake May has to kind of work on is, you know, kind of just staying strong in the pocket. But I, I think he can get better at that. That's something he can get better at. Great stuff, Marcus. What's what are you guys working on for TDL this week? As you guys are back in the lab, so we're doing a free agency uh, this uh, this week. So we're doing um, some free agency. It should be dropping tomorrow. Then on, on Friday night, we're going to do our, our first mock draft. So we're going to do a mock draft on Friday night, right before the combine. And then, of course, uh, me and Matt are going to be at the combine. So you know, check that out. We're going to do a, a podcast from there too as well. But that's a couple weeks, but we'll be able to do some more draft stuff. Probably look at um, the interior O-line this week and probably look at some, uh, some some more defensive tackles. Brilliant stuff. Marcus, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. Let's do it again next Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Marcus Johnson, Tape Don't Lie on YouTube and at the Mark John NFL. Yeah, the uh, the questions, you know, around like, all right, you know, Drake May and stuff like that, it, 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 people always say the inaccuracy, but maybe all that is just because he struggles with pressure. You know, I feel like that's a problem. Really, yeah, so. I think you're going to see a lot of pressure or, in the NFL. It's a it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge, and 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 the thing is, is that nobody is a perfect prospect. You're going to find flaws and imperfections in, in everything, mm-hmm. and and so finding the guy, the right guy, um, doesn't just mean like does he possess the skills. Like we 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 know how high everyone is on Jaden Daniels, especially when it's like. He's a great deep passer, accuracy wise. You're like, oh, this is what we want. Mm-hmm. This is literally what we want. Because you just envision, you know, Devontae and Jacoby right. getting it big time, right? Trade um, But but there's different ways to to enable Jaden to get his best game, and and sometimes uh, teams are in better position to protect someone more than another prospect, and that's why mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm I pause about that interchangeability at, at the top because we are talking about big game fishing, right? And and that potential. And it kind of irks me, and maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe it's maybe it's weird. Maybe my my antenna's a little bit off because we know that that's true, of any of those three. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's, I, I I just I, there has to be a best fit by by whatever your your definition is, and so and we're not gonna be privy to that information. And that's fine with me. I'm like I don't I don't want to be. I don't want all the emails. Like you guys take care of you. I'll just uh, you hold up the jersey. He's our guy. Mm-hmm. That's our guy right there. That's our guy. Thumbs up and the big smile on stage. That's what I want to see. Yeah, but, um, you know, it's just I'm trying to stay as even-keeled about this quarterback conversation as as possible because it's so hard when you know that's the answer that you need. It's one that you've desperately needed for such a long time with the singularity or the perceived singularity of this draft and then the positioning of, of this roster, the organization, and then where they are in the draft ordering as well. It's just there's a lot of ways to make this team better, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just I, I worry about all the ones that are just all of here, all of this, all of whatever. And I, I, but then again, this their, their job is the nuanced conversation. Ours is is to try to find people who can bring that to us, like Marcus does every week. He does such a great job, and that's I was I'm like who whose tape yeah. whose tape was it? Because we all have those people that <laughs> you're just like I love watching them play. Like I love watching Trey Tucker run. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love watching Mika Zibanejad shoot the puck for the New York Rangers. Oh, I sure. love watching yeah, yeah. Mark Andre Fleury bail his own ass out because he's way out of position, but that's what he does. Yeah, his right? recovery is something you just it's just you, ridiculous. Yeah, you just see awesome. these you see these saves. I'm like, I couldn't concoct that in my imagination. Let me just say, I have an active one, and I've seen things from that vantage point. I'm just like, I don't understand. Uh, and so th- those are the things that um, sometimes th- they're the hooks for people to get into the team. Maybe it's not the winning. Maybe it's not the colors. Maybe it's not the cool factor that we talk about with the Raiders yeah. all the time. Sometimes you're you're tie in Missouri and, and you come in on our text line like we love it when you do. Uh, 702-365-9200. Thanks to Don't Be Broke uh, Dollar Loan Center. He said, as a young kid that loved baseball cards and video games, I'll never forget when my, ba- when my dad told me that Bo Jackson – uh, that was on my baseball cards was the same Bo Jackson <laughs> that was on my Tecmo Bo- Super Bowl Nintendo game. My mind was blown, and I was immediately uh, a Raiders fan. And the more my friends pushed back on my team, the more I dug my heels in. I, I liked that ag- us against the world feeling. I liked that I had my own team, and I wasn't just following what my friends did. I'm right there with you, Ty. Uh, I still have those same feelings today, and it's still us against the world. Oh, Great that's stuff. good. I like Great that, stuff. Ty. Same Beautiful guy, yeah. same bow. <laughs> it's at him. I think there's a, a lot to be said too, and we see this at Rockstar and just uh, you, you've been to the tailgates. There's a community aspect to it too, mm-hmm. a, a fellowship almost. Um, it's so, a great way to put it. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's it is a lifestyle. It really truly is a lifestyle, and you you, you come to make friends. You know, uh, how many times have we, you know, people that go to Rockstar that had never even known each other and now are on chat, um, you know, threads together. And uh, I know Dan, a lot of them text me, you know, during the game and what was it, what happened, you know, and and it's great. And I feel, I feel honored, honestly, that they, that they think enough of me to ask me questions about what's going on and that type of stuff. And so it is, and that's why I'm like, this is the more I'm thinking about it, because Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're making this kind of a theme. The more I do think about it, the more I feel it's more of a family than a spouse. Because spouses, to be honest with you, walk away from that every day. 100%. Right? We truly do. And it's just not working, and I got to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And and as much as you, you you know, I know you brought up some outlier situations with families, There's, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It has to get to that point almost. Mm-hmm. It has to get to the most dire, dire. Like you have to really do something egregious as a family member to walk away from a family member. Mm-hmm. It's and even then, it hurts like no other. Like you just, it's so painful to have to turn your back on a family member. That's what it would be the almost the equivalent of when you. Even if you try and you still love them too, there's a part of you that still loves them no matter almost what they do. And, you know, that's just how it is. It's, it's something you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like that's the way it is with sports much more as a family member than a loved than a, than a, than a, than a spouse and a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever mm-hmm. the case or husband or, or, or wife. Um, because those are more easy to be honest with you. Right. It's about the support. Yeah, it's it's just you know you feel part of it too, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, I know talking to players, they understand the the um, you know the the pain sometimes that comes with being. They've been fans themselves too when they were kids, and they've had their heart broken, and they get their heart broken. I try to tell fans this too, you know, before you start criticizing and and throwing people under the bus, go in the locker room and see guys cry. Mm-hmm. I remember when Colton Miller gave up a couple of sacks in the last game of the season uh, against the 49ers. It was the second to last game in the season. And he was his voice was cracking when we were talking to him mm-hmm. because he blew it. He knew it. He knew it, you know. 
And I'm like, man, I wish people could truly see that. And especially when they say, ask tougher questions. It's like, it's hard to ask somebody that just blew a game. Yeah. Like, like be belligerent. First of all, you're never going to be belligerent about it. This is a pro- there's a professional level here. I'm not going to start shouting and accusing somebody of that. But also you understand there is a human side to it. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a little bit of compassion. They're going, they're, they don't want to lose games. But anyway, the, the bigger point is it really is such a lifestyle. And it's cool to see it, you know, in our, from our perspective. And when we see all the fans, when you go out to the tailgates as you do, to see how, how deep it really runs. All right, get your thoughts out. We'll read them all on the text line. What's your Raiders love story? When did it start? When was it tested? All that and more. It's Raider Nation Radio. And Sam and Ash will join us at 945. It's the morning tailgate. This traffic. Raiders Radio Network, thanks for being with us here on RNR 920. Lindsay, Vinny, and Clay reading your text from the Don't Be Broke text line 702 365 When we talk about your Raiders love story, your origin story with the Raiders, uh, from uh, Marcus says, Roll off Raider. My love was suddenly and definitely tested when the Raiders left Oakland. I'm not old enough to remember the other moves. So for me, it was devastating. We had to really think about it. And there's no way I could love another team the way I love the Raiders. I'm in it for life. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And right on top of that is Robin Oakland saying teams are usually attached to a city. And many times the combination of the city and the team feed into a fan's individual individual and social identity. Yeah, there's love there. And it's like it's there's love all around you. Your whole environment is engrossed with a team's love. And sometimes it's almost like a caste system. You're born into it, and there's nothing to do without it. You are in it, and there's no choice about it. You were born with it. Yeah, and the, the Raiders are a very unique um, example because they have moved, what, twice now, or three times, actually. Um, and and it, it's when you say Raider Nation, that's why it's the true definition of Raider Nation is because it's 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 worldwide, not just nationwide. And it's it's very – I don't know that there's many teams that could – have survived with their fans um, that many moves. Yet they have, and um, you know, I'm sure there's there's some fans that 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 you know cut them off, and that's understandable as so. But the majority of them stuck around, um, even throughout the moves. I think they've they've landed in a, in a great place, and it's a great place that gives them proximity to their fans in Los Angeles, their fans in in you know the Bay Area. So um, if they had to move, this was a pretty good place to move even for their fans because it's it's left them really close uh, close by uh, whereas with the rams when they moved from los angeles to st louis i had so many ram fans who just kicked them to the curb that was it they were done a lot of them became raider fans as a matter of fact so um there's something about being ditched for california well they left for st louis Oh, I thought you meant the after, the no. St. Louis going back to no, California. No, no, no. The, the, the Rams left Los Angeles for St. Louis. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, and, and my, uh, my... That makes more sense. My friends who who grew up Ram fans were just like, that's... The. But I also, I would say it was 50%. There were also 50% who stayed with them. I don't know whether it was blind faith that they were going to eventually come back, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, it's part of what we were talking about. Even when the team moved... A bunch of them stuck with them because they were so embedded in their heart that they, and for a lot of those fans, you know, the actual art of go or, or act of going to the game, um, most fans don't go to the games. Mm-hmm. Most of your fans watch on television, sometimes from far, far away. So for some Ram fans, it was like, well, I never really went to the games to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be watching them on TV from a different location, but I could still love them. That's kind of how they wrap their he- their head around it. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting when a team does move 
that's an opportunity for for fans. And Dan in San Diego is the perfect example. He ditched the the Chargers for the Raiders. He just texted me. And he's like, you know, it's the best decision I ever made. Raider Nation has accepted me like I've been a fan my entire life, and it's been a lifestyle change for him mm. for the better. So. I love the text line, though. People digging up some memories like uh, Dee Dee uh, with, from the 817 DD Raider, double D Raider, if you will. I was eight growing up in Wyoming. I saw the silver and black going against the horrible orange of the donkeys. <laughs> I, picked, I picked them right on the spot. Yeah, I love it. Orange sucks. <laughs> yeah, I love Sometimes that. I pick a team whether I'm like, I like your unis. Like, I like your jerseys. It's for hard for not like to. no other reason. I don't really like anything that has orange in it. That I do know. Me and Elle Woods, same thing. That's the same thing? We have a lot in common. Uh, Sal623 says, I was born circa 1974-75, raised in New York, fell in love with football first, but then the Raiders' mystique drew me in. Mm. Like any relationship, I get angry and disappointed mm. in the Raiders, but in the end, walking away is just not an option. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's like, um, I, I don't know, it's so hard to do, and, and you know, uh, I, like, even the Rams find this out, moving to Los Angeles, like, you know, 20, 20, 20 years went by without fans, without an NFL team in Los Angeles. So that means a whole generation of people, you know, uh, boys and girls, grew up without a team locally to root for. So by proxy, they became fans of maybe the Cowboys or the Giants or the Chiefs or whoever. And so here come the Rams coming back to, to Los Angeles. And, um, you know, they, they still had the fan base that I was talking about that stuck with them. But other than that, they were, they were surrounded by Cowboy and Chief fans and Giant fans and whoever you grew up being a fan of. And asking those fans to now jump back ship to, to the Rams, it's not happening. And, and so they have to go to the elementary schools and the middle schools and start capturing fans that way, kind of like what the Raiders are doing here in Las Vegas. Because if you grew up in Las Vegas, mm. you're a fan of the Cowboys or the Giants or whoever because f- for all the reasons that we're hearing, fans in New York became fans of the Raiders. All those different stories happen here in Las Vegas. So. Raider fans are, or, or the Raiders are dealing with that, trying to capture a bunch of fans here now in Las Vegas. And it's probably going to start at a young age. Like these fans keep telling us, I was six years old and watching in New York. And all of a sudden, the silver and black showed up on my television. I fell instantly in love. Oh, we love them. Uh, on the text line, 702-365-9200. Ash Watkins from Salmon Ash Injury Law will join us next. But we'll leave you with this from Bill from the 925. Al Davis is the reason I became a fan and love the Raiders. He didn't care. White, black, Latino, if you could play, he wanted you Thank you for that, Bill. We'll take a break. Come back with Sam and Ash next. Thanks for joining us here on Raider Nation Radio. It's time now for Street Legal with Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. Available both in Nevada and in California. Ash, good morning to you. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Oh, it's awesome to have you on. Thank you. You know what? Uh, a couple questions here. What did uh, What did you make of the Super Bowl and some of the rumors that went around there about Taylor Swift being accused of removing Kanye West from the Super Bowl if it came to that? Yeah, um, um, I heard that Kanye was in the studio or in the stadium, and there was some other NFL player claimed that you know Taylor Swift got him kicked out because he wanted to photobomb everything, but. Look, if you've got a ticket, remember you, that ticket only guarantees you entry into the the stadium. But at any point, <laughs> the stadium, the team, or someone else with the organization putting on the event can revoke that license. It's you're not like oh, you don't own the seat for the day. Um, but ultimately, this story, it, I think it turns out it was bogus. Uh, Kanye was there. Uh, it doesn't seem like Taylor had him kicked out, but. 
He yeah. just wants he to be associated. Be associ- that's literally what he wants. That's a, this is a 10-year-plus thing that's been going on. I wouldn't be surprised, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL was like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, we're not we're not going to do that because this this box is pretty much a focal point of our our entire broadcast, and we don't need that kind of PR. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, but I mean, like you said, it's not technically legal, legal, but it can happen. Oh, it's legal. If he had a ticket to be in the box with Taylor Swift, the NFL or whoever they can, um, Allegiant Stadium can pull it. It's just a license. It doesn't right, guarantee right. you. So, um, and I'm with you. I look, Kanye's so controversial. He said some things that are really. Um, you know, off-putting, and I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL goes, look, we got America's golden girl, Taylor Swift, in these shots. We don't want anything to do with Kanye, so you can watch the game. We'll put you on the field somewhere else, but not in this booth. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to Ash Watkins from Sam and Ash. Uh, You deserve what's right. You're going to get that when you call them up. Uh, They're going to provide you with some of the best legal services you can get here in Las Vegas. And we're talking about the love and fandom and and, and being committed and and what that means. And you are a long-suffering Dallas Cowboys fan. And I'm very happy that it has been a long-suffering thing for you. But uh, in terms of the testing and the constant, we're right there, here's the roster, and then we get in our own way. What's your relationship uh, in terms of your commitment and and just how emotionally you get invested into this team or maybe just fandom in general? Because you're a former athlete, too, and so it's a little bit different of a relationship dynamic for us. Yeah, as an athlete, you know, you've got control over your success or failures to most extents. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching the mm-hmm. Cowboys is yeah, I, I'm a functioning Cowboys fan. I inherited it. It's a disease. And every year I just I try to be positive and then I just wait for them to to disappoint me. And, you know, it, it, it tends to always happen. So in some respects, I know what I'm getting every season. Um, but, yeah, you know what? I, I prefer being an athlete than a fan because I get the control over it. I get to prepare, put the hard work in and then ultimately execute on game day. And, you know, as a fan, you just have to trust that someone else will, and when they're wearing Dallas Cowboys uniforms, they tend to not to. Oh boy! And son. you'll never leave them. You'll never leave it. No, I don't. I think I'm. I'm a lifer. Okay. <laughs> I'm. A, I'm a lifer. <laughs> Although with the Raiders coming into town and learning more about the Raiders' history and the culture that Al Davis developed, I really fell in love with a Raider Nation, and so it was really tough. Of like a few. Uh, Thanksgivings ago, the Cowboys played the Raiders, and I was like, it's kind of a win-win for me. I'm going to eat turkey, Raiders or Cowboys are going to win, and then I'm going to get a great nap. So I've, I've adopted the Raiders as my second team, so I will always root for those, too. I love it. It's Ash with Sam and Ash Injury Law in a crash. Call Sam and Ash, 702 702- 820-1234, available both in Nevada and in California. And California seems to be a bright spot for certain Raiders coaches who move on to leave. You know, Raiders had hired Deshaun Foster, former UCLA Bruin, uh, to be their next uh, running backs coach. But boom, he goes and takes the head coaching vacancy at UCLA. And you have an interesting lineage with Deshaun Foster's family. What is that? Actually, fun fact, I played basketball against his sister, uh, Chanel Foster, in high school. We we would go. We were on rival schools. I played for Rosary High School, and she went to Modern Day. And so every year we'd face off. And um, Deshaun Foster would actually come down to support, and it was always a, a big scene. But uh, this is kind of a sad story, but I get it. Deshaun Foster, you know, he went to UCLA. He's been the coach, like a running back coach there for a while. 
And so this was kind of, you think, his ideal dream position. And usually you carve that out as an exception. Like, mm-hmm. if this comes up, up I'm, I'm going to go interview. And if it happens, I'm sorry, Raiders, but I got to go do it. And so I'm happy for him. Yeah, I saw the reaction video when he was introduced to the to the team in their big meeting room, and they seemed like they could not be on a on a higher cloud than they were. And that's that's what you need in those programs, especially when you're UCLA. And we were we were just talking about like little brother syndrome. I don't think that there's a, probably a school in California that probably has a bigger issue with that than UCLA because you're just in the shadow of everything else and 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 the Trojans and all that. So, are are you a Bruins gal or are you a USC gal? Oh, that's tough. You know, I don't really care for either. Okay. But okay. I had um, I had a girlfriend who went to USC. So when she was in college, I was a Trojan fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of my co- high school buddies, he was an assistant coach for UCLA. So then I was getting all of his UCLA football swag when they were going to bowl games. And I was doing the eight clap with all of them. So I'm a fair weather fan when it comes to UCLA and USC. I just kind of... Don't I don't I don't care. That's okay. That's one of our your more acceptable personality traits. Again, we're still getting over the Cowboys fandom, but we will somehow find a way to to save you from that. Or at least maybe the Raiders will just become so successful they can't deny and they'll just move up in the spot in the rankings. And and you're number one in our rankings, Sam and Ash Injury Law. Uh, and unfortunately, there's a lot of crashes here in, in Las Vegas. That's why you guys are are so successful, such a big presence here. And one of the things that I just don't get is drunk driving. And, uh, and so I'm curious about what you guys saw from, from this weekend, because I'm sure there were big sting operations that law enforcement was all over, but there's still people that every day decide to make that choice. And so uh, what, what does that mean for you and, and considering the, the magnitude of the event? Yeah. So, look, all of these events, we love having all of this. We love being the entertainment capital of the world here in Vegas, but we need people to make smart decisions. And it is so easy to not drink and drive. It's actually there's no excuse for it anymore. If you get into a crash after getting behind your vehicle and drink after drinking, you know, it's not an accident. That's an intentional decision you made. And it's really foolish. And it's um, it's so avoidable. And we've We've got a lot of calls from people that were on the wrong end of those ca- those crashes, and it's really it's it's such a tragedy on how life altering it can be. So please have fun, do what you got to do to enjoy your time, but just don't drive if it involves drinking. So, um, but if you were involved in an accident, give us a call, and we're here to help. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 in Nevada and in California, whether she's throwing elbows against Modern Day or in the courtroom. Ash is always there for you. 702-820-1234, SamandAshLaw.com. Thank you, Ash, for your time. Let's do it again next week. Next week. Yeah, thank you both. Thank yeah. you. All right, we're out of time. Get us up on our podcast page at LVSportsNetwork.com, iTunes,